0: hello everyone welcome back to the Plains on the prairie podcast i'm max and i'm sam and today we are coming to you live remotely um but we will you know just be having the the podcast all the same so uh today's episode is focusing on uh fargo north dakota nate no is it Fargo? no it's not fargo
1: gnome uh,
0: Nome, north dakota excuse me um gnome north dakota native lieutenant colonel leland tommy moland um we saved I think probably the most interesting aircraft uh for the last one for this series. Um but yeah, Sam, if you're ready, I'm I'm ready.
1: Yeah, let's dig in and we actually do have one more next week but the last World War II one yes, this will be quite exactly. interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention, yet. Yeah, we we did find one more from another war so we'll uh we'll share that with you but right. we'll get started here so leland or tommy as he went by was born on may 7th 1919 in Nome, north dakota and again as we do with every ace the geography of north dakota um gnome is kind of south if i remember southwest from fargo
1: yeah it's kind of um if i remember right it's kind of down by that valley city area just a little south
0: of there gotcha yep pretty small, small town. Um, He attended high school there. And then after graduation, moved to Fargo, North Dakota, where he attended my alma mater, North Dakota Agricultural College or school, or at the time, NDAC, which later became North Dakota State University. He was there from 1937 until December 1941. And then following the attack on Pearl Harbor, Mullen dropped out of college and joined the Army Air Forces. And then he was commissioned on November 10th, 1942 at Moore Field in Texas. So, you know, kind of kind of rings true with a lot of those guys is, you know, they, they got the news that Pearl Harbor had been bombed and just, you know, dropped everything and enlisted.
1: Right. No, and that's, um, we've kind of got a mix of that. A lot of our aces have been uh, people who've joined before, too. So this is kind of a, a little twist on some of the recent ones we've had.
0: Absolutely. And I couldn't find anywhere that before the war even started that he was really into aviation.
1: No, I didn't see anything either. That was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So following fighter training, excuse me, uh, then Lieutenant Molland was assigned to the 308th Fighter Squadron of the 31st Fighter Group, which at that time was then operating in the Mediterranean Theater from bases in Italy. Um, So as we had mentioned beforehand, the 34 or yeah the 31st fighter squad or fighter group um is pretty unique in the sense that they didn't fly uh american made aircraft they actually flew was it reverse lend lease is that the term yeah
1: they call it reverse lend lease really interesting concept so uh they were initially equipped uh with uh spitfire mark 5 Bs once they were over there and that's really interesting um by the 1942 43 time frame that's starting uh, the Mark Nines were starting to come out at that point, so they were almost hand-me-downs, but not really. If that makes sense. <laughs> but
0: well, either yeah. way, it's you know, for a lot of people, seeing a, an American star on a Spitfire is a little weird, and it if is. you don't know what you're looking at. You might, oh, that's fake, or that's a that's a mock-up. But no, it it actually happened.
1: Right. No, and then uh, part of the this is our actually our only Mediterranean theater ace of our series so You're that's right yeah it is really interesting is. Uh, the 12th air force uh, did base in north africa initially before the sicily landings and all that mm-hmm. um really interesting campaign there's a whole lot of info here that um, you know i just got sidetracked researching on the air <laughs> war in the mediterranean but that's typical right
0: so. yep absolutely so What we were able to find is that Mollen Spitfire was, like you said, a Mark. Yeah, a Mark. Was it an eight? No. His
1: was an eight in, at least if you go to the museum, you'll see the profile. And that's a Mark eight.
0: It is. Um, They were
1: initially equipped with the five B's and then transitioned to the
0: eights. Gotcha. So he he for sure would have flown either one of those versions. Um, And then interestingly, his code was HLK. And he affectionately nicknamed his plane the Fargo Express. Uh, Very fitting name, if you ask me. And I think it's. Probably my favorite of the nose art, you know, that we had on all these North Dakota aces. Right. Um, he got his first kill, which was a shared BF 109 on January 16th, 1944, then got his second kill and a third on the 20th and 21st, respectfully. Um, on the 20th, excuse me, on February 22nd, he shot down a fourth BF 109 and then his final kill. I believe actually that one was his final kill in the Spitfire. And then in April of 1944, um, when the 308th transitioned to P-51Bs, he scored his first kill in the Mustang on April 21st, and then shot down a fifth BF-109 and a Royal Italian Air Force, Machi C-202. Did I say that right? Yep,
1: the C-202 Fogler. It's um, the kind of too little, too late fighter that they had, at least before the fall of fascist Italy.
0: God, have you ever seen one of those in person?
1: Yes, actually at the Smithsonian Air and yep. Space Museum. That, it's the only the one only I've seen. One in,
0: is that the only one in the United States or is there uh, one at the Air Force Museum?
1: I want to say it's the only one, but I don't quote me on that.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so he would go on to down another five more enemy planes, which were four Bf109s and then a second MC202 before he was rotated out of combat at near the end of the war. Um, by the end of the war he had flown 127 missions in the fargo express spitfire and then 40 in the p51 mustang so you know 167 missions and you know well, i think yeah double ace that's yeah
1: it's not bad no it's not and he flew over some very interesting and very pivotal points you know um some of his kills were uh during uh, over anzio and you know we've we've uh Heard a lot about Anzio, you know, as World War II enthusiasts. Uh, we had a veteran that would frequent the Air Museum. His name was Conrad Newgren. He passed three, four years ago at this point, but he was, uh, he served during the Anzio landings. He was, um, you know, in the US Army there and won the French uh, Legion of Honor Medal. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's really cool. Uh, learned a lot about the ground side of Anzio and, um, yeah, not somewhere I'd want to be. For sure. No,
0: I it I've heard that it was a very bloody, vicious and, you know, and, campaign.
1: And people tend to forget Italy surrendered quickly during the you know the invasions. After Sicily, they were pretty much inclined to surrender. But then the Germans didn't. You know that's their southern flank. They couldn't let that go. But so we have Monte Cassino, all these you know Anzio, all these really yep bloody battles because of the terrain. It it wasn't a cakewalk. People think, Mm -hmm. oh, Italy surrendered in 1943. They must have been a cakewalk to get through. Not at all. Italy was not fully under Allied control at all during the war.
0: I don't even think Italy, by the time the war ended, I think Italy, they were still fighting in the Po Valley.
1: Right, yeah, they still had uh, the co-belligerent force and then the the Allied side was kind of pitted against each other with, you know, both Germany and and the Allies covering for each side. It was really interesting.
0: Yeah. And it's a very kind of lesser known or lesser talked about campaign. I know um, you know, Normandy and stuff mm. like that. That Eastern always gets Front, the glory. Yeah. But um, you know, if you're I I for one, I speak for a lot of people. I I really enjoy um airborne forces, you know, paratroopers. Mm. And let's let's just say that both American and um Excuse me. Um, American and uh, German paratrooper forces really, uh, really made their you know history known during the Italian campaign.
1: Oh, definitely. And then the other operation was uh, Ploesti. Uh, all the bombing raids on Ploesti, the Romanian oil fields, really, really important. Uh, strate- you know, those strategic bombing missions were very vital. And, you know, one of the I mean, there's many reasons the Germans. Loss of war, right? There's you can put it against a bunch of things, right? Overstretching of resources, which is another thing. Kloesti, um held they held a lot of oil reserves, right? And without mm-hmm. oil reserves, you can't really, you know, logistically fight a war. So knocking out those uh, fields was very important. And Absolutely. they were, I mean, the Russians steamrolled through their, that area and later that year. But but knocking them out first was very important.
0: Absolutely. So getting back to Tommy Moland, or yeah, <laughs> yep, Tommy Moland. Um, uh, so after the war, he was um, he decided to stay within the Army Air Force and uh, worked his way up to, I believe Lieutenant was it Lieutenant Colonel? Yeah, yes, yep, and saw combat during the Korean War. And uh, during the initial, you know, uh, I guess first fighting of the that bat or that war, he was actually the um Air Liaison Officer to the F- U.S. Army's 1st Cav Division. So pretty neat. Uh, mm-hmm. I would assume he probably would have been flying, um maybe not reconnaissance missions, but, you know, targeting for artillery or airstrikes or stuff like that. So kind of a cool role there that you really don't right. hear that much about. Well,
1: it gives you the ground perspective a little bit, too. I mean, I think that's highly important. You know, back, you know, Cavalry really wasn't full on, you know, running, horses anymore they weren't running necessarily helicopters yet and yeah it's really interesting so
0: kind of that weird middle ground yeah middle ground forum uh so let's see um and then after his stint with the first cab division he was then transferred to the 49th fighter bomber group flying f-80 uh shooting stars and t-33s so uh you know some of my now we're getting into my kind of oh yeah genre. Um, And then sadly on during a weather recon mission in North Korean held territory, um, his T-33 crashed into a mountain, unfortunately, and there were no survivors. Um, I know his, his remains were recovered and he is now interned in uh, Arlington national cemetery. So.
1: Did they ever come up with a reason behind the crash? Was it due to weather or was it due?
0: Yeah. They said it was poor weather and they, Crashed. They just about cleared a mountain, but hmm. unfortunately they didn't. So, yep, and that is the life of Tommy Mulland right there.
1: Yeah, quite a, I mean, short life, unfortunately, but very, very action-packed.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So now we'll move into the, the 308th squadron. So um, the 308th was stood up in early 1942 at Bower Field in Indiana, and then not long after, in June, was deployed to the European Theater, where they were supposed to fly P-39s and P-40s. However, their mission dictated, or not so much dictated, but um, basically that I think what they were originally wanting to do was bomber escort. But those aircraft weren't either suitable enough or they just didn't have the required you know, tools. Uh, manpower stuff like that so that's when they received the spitfires um and then that since the spitfires didn't have the long range to for bomber escort at least at that time um their role mostly went to air interdiction air you know dogfighting yeah, attacking military stuff yeah. like that um, and they flew their first mission in August of 1942 against german positions in occupied france so kind of interesting that they um you know we associate the especially the 308th with fighting in the Mediterranean, but you know, like all most American forces in the early uh, days in 1942 went immediately to England, mm-hmm. and I I always forget like you know you think of occupied France before like just after Dieppe failed and then before D-Day as just you know this iron like impenetrable fortress. And they were still flying combat missions, you know, over it almost every day.
1: Right. Yeah. It wasn't. It's, it's very. uh It's very. Uh, interesting. I, I kind of used to have that belief too. With, between Dieppe and India, nothing happened. It was just sitting in England. Definitely not. Yeah.
0: No. Absolutely not. Um, so in November 1942, they were transferred to the 12th Air Force, which was in the Mediterranean, and then served with the Operation Torch Invasion Forces, um, also in November of 1942. And I believe that some of their first bases that they flew out of were actually Vichy um, captured, you know, former French bases. So kind of a, a cruel twist of fate, you're flying over France, and then you're flying from their former bases in, in Africa. But
1: Really interesting. and. Um, I actually just read a, a book, uh, about a month ago about the, uh, Vichy, oh well, the Operation Torch, um, air combat from, from the perspective of the, of VF 41, the Red Rippers. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting just to see how the French, uh, really were indifferent. They wanted, they wanted to lose kind of, yeah. in a way. they didn't feel good <laughs> fighting the Americans and they knew they were, you know, they They were caught off guard, and it was really interesting. Kind of getting off track there, but
0: it is is interesting to know. it's very interesting, and it's you know relevant to you know where they were fighting. Um, and then as you know, the North, well, the Allies progressed further into North Africa. They encountered Rommel's feared Africa Corps. Um, you know, some of my favorite fight. You can call it favorite fighting, but I think some of the most interesting battles of World War Two um, come from the fighting in in North Africa. Oh,
1: definitely. Basically. Very mobile war. I mean, it was just really interesting. All the tank battles. I, I'm not a big tank guy. I know you are. But, I mean, watching greatest tank battles as a kid, the LL main episode, I can still remember that one. It's super <laughs> cool.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so once the fighting in North Africa was finished, um, they moved into Italy and started fighting uh, during Operation Husky in, uh, I believe that was in um, July of 1943. Yep. And then what I found was kind of interesting with my own personal connection was the 308th, um, once Southern Italy was you know, basically in allied hands, they started putting mostly B-24 Liberator units in, you know, basically the, the boot of Italy or the right. southern part of the boot. Um, and that's when the 308 transitioned from Spitfires to P-51 Mustangs. So they could, you know, finally do the role of bomber escort as right. those Liberators were hitting targets in Central Europe, like France, mostly, I'd assume, Germany. And then the Balkans, like you were saying about uh, the Polesti oil raid, bas- literally that exact same topic. So I, I like to think that, you know, a 308th fighter squadron, a uh, Spitfire, probably, es- well, maybe not since it was on its first mission, but escorted a, a 779th bomb squadron uh, liberator at some point. So that'd be really cool. Little, little personal connection there. Oh Yeah. Um, so, like we had also mentioned, the uh, the fighting in northern Italy and the Po Valley continued right up until the end of the war, and that's where the three hundred eighth actually ended the the war was flying combat missions in that area. So, I when we were talking about it, I I think don't quote me on it, but I swear I've heard a quote or a story that a German officer in the Po Valley got word that the the Germans had surrendered. And he couldn't believe it. He's like, we're winning here. What are you talking about? But <laughs> obviously, you know, they didn't see what was happening in Berlin at that time. So,
1: right. I mean, it's all about geography when you're getting into it. Physical geography of that area. It's, it's a natural fortress, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, the Alps. I mean, looking back through history, look at Italy in fighting the Austrians in world war one.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't remember how many battles body. of the, yes. Yeah. Twenty it's battles crazy. of the Asanzo, and you know, it's just just crazy, you know, that it I don't think you could ever win a war there. Like it's mm-hmm. just the the attacker couldn't
0: no. The defenders are a hundred percent they they have the high ground, literally,
1: yeah, and literally i th- I don't know. I was reading somewhere basically, the campaign was to knock Italy out of the war, but then also it opens another front, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think the Allies really intended on taking all of Italy by the end of the war mm-hmm.
0: absolutely um so uh, at the end of the war the 308th was disbanded however they were brought back not long after and flew um you know various early cold war jets uh they saw combat in vietnam flying hmm. f hundreds. and then um they were an f-16 training unit down in the the desert of i believe arizona and today they are a f-35 lightning training squadron that mainly trains Danish and Dutch Royal Air Force pilots on the the lightning too. So you know really cool kind of I, I was thinking it's it's you know kind of maybe not full circle, but you have a European plane as your basically starter plane and you come flying arguably the most modern U.S fighter jet for a European Air Force so, right. And that at, also hard. at one point had flown Spitfires. So kind of a, a unique little historical connection there.
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely. And yeah, really interesting. I mean, I know we've talked, we're probably being a being a dead horse here, but uh a lot of these Navy squadrons, for example, they're they're not around. And it's nice to see another one still living on and if they only knew about Mulland.
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, uh our, our final section is Warbirds, and I think we were talking about it either just before we started recording or um, right at the beginning, but there, I don't think there are any American Mark Spitfires.
1: There might be one, actually. I just, it, it's, I don't know what variant it is. I, I'm 100% sure it's not a 5B. It, you know which one I'm talking about. It's got red uh, tips, I think, right? It's like like dark gray.
0: or is it the one that's at the um, uh, Air Force Museum?
1: could be that one
0: it's the one at the air force museum i believe is all blue okay or i might be thinking of a. no there is
1: i think there is an airworthy one i just i couldn't find anything yeah i've seen maybe it's repainted it could be it but i i, I it's it could be a mark eight but i'm fairly certain it's not a five
0: gotcha gotcha well, uh that kind of wraps up our, our World War II Aces series. We still have one more. We have one more, but that is the last of our World War II North Dakota Aces. So uh, Sam, I want to ask you what what did you enjoy the research? Did you have a favorite ace?
1: I really did. It was um the the research was was really fun. It sometimes it got really extensive, which was really, you know, up both of our alleys, right? We like to kind of find those rabbit holes and run with it. Um <laughs> I, as for a favorite ace, I, I really don't have one. Uh, Some of them are definitely unique. Um, They all are unique in their own way, but um, they, yeah. Register was interesting because of Guadalcanal. He's our earliest ace, our first ace. Um, Mullen's interesting because he's in a Spitfire reverse line lease. Um, They're all interesting. Cohen with his Eagle Squadron, um, Ah, uh, Borley. How we found him? I found him by just reading a book and yeah. his survival story. I mean, there. I don't have a favorite, but it's they're all they're all a blast. I mean, I had a lot of fun researching Absolutely. it. Absolutely. What about I, you?
0: I really enjoyed it. Um, thank you for being such a great you know co-host for it all. I, yeah, you I appreciate as well. it. Um, and we just want to let the viewers know that we'll probably be taking a little bit of a break from you know actual spoken podcasts like this. Uh, we just want to give um you guys a break i know we've been doing this almost weekly um that'll give us time to research you know some more interesting topics um we have a a couple of um excuse me a couple of hangar visits lined up for this winter um a couple of restoration updates at the museum and elsewhere uh but yeah you know it's it's gonna be a fun winter we'll probably uh pick the um the uh the talking podcast back up probably sometime in I think January sounds about good. Yeah. The
1: next couple of months. I mean, we uh, we're still planning on bringing weekly content to you guys. We, we have plenty of content to do. It's just a matter of, you know, lining up schedules to get that done. Hangar visits rely on other people's schedules. Um, but yeah, we've uploaded two videos in the last week, week and a half, and that's been know, good. What's
0: going on. Something. Yeah, something's it's, happening. Yeah, here. it's
1: good. Um, <laughs> someone, someone told us, Oh, I'm glad and glad the videos are back. I mean, I don't know if they were a podcast listener, but they were just really excited to see our channel have action, action. Again, we've had a bunch of subscribers sign up, still getting a lot of views on some of our older videos, but if you guys could check out um, our latest two videos, the uh, featuring the standard J one, the oldest aircraft in the museum's collection, um, 106 years old. Um, and then the
0: oldest airplane in North Dakota.
1: It is. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Uh and uh, then we have a video covering the B-25 at the museum with uh, Dave Moan. He's a longtime volunteer at the museum, been there longer than I have. Uh, <laughs> and he just gives it a nice little overview on the project. And um, I don't know if you got put on there, Max, but I got put on their, their work, their work app there to kind of get updates on what's yep. going on. So um, it'll be nice to to kind of check in on that probably on a monthly basis if if there's enough noticeable differences we'll be we'll be for sure we'll, we'll for sure share that with everybody
0: yeah we we want you guys to see these progress or see these updates almost in real time like you know with, when they put the nose on we want to be there to capture it when they repaint the interior we want you guys to see it and we want we hope that you guys seeing these these updates to this project you know if you're willing if you have the financial means if you wouldn't mind you know helping these guys out by you know maybe donating either your time if you're local or you know if you have the funds maybe a couple bucks to send their way just so they can you know keep this project going um we're really excited to see how it turns out
1: yeah and it's we're not in it for anything we're we're here just to spread the word for the project and help them out and um uh, you know it's nice to see you know all the 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 group Dave has there is crazy like how big it was I I wasn't expecting to hear forty five people a part of this right? project it's it's amazing I mean if I had more time I would be there every time
0: I I agree I agree and you know what's it's great is all those guys that and girls that are working with him they're all almost maybe not experts in their field but they work along aircraft all day every day at the Jet Center and they're motivated to be there yeah. they're you know a, a group a great group of people and I I think they're going to do great things with this project.
1: Almost definitely. And uh, yeah. So thanks for listening everybody. And um, we'll have one more for you before we take that uh, little hiatus there. So, and I'm sure we'll probably come up with, it. you know, you you never know. We might have a pop-up episode here and there, just if there's something interesting going on or some talking point, but but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. The last was this uh, 11 weeks now. 11 or 11 episodes more than 11 weeks at this point so it's wow.
0: I I didn't realize it it really has been that long hasn't it
1: yeah i think we started in what august that means late mm-hmm. august i believe so wow it's been quite the quite the journey absolutely all right well thanks okay. everybody we'll catch you next week
0: yep take it easy